0: Well, hey, good morning, friends in Edmonton. My name's Andy Baker. I serve at the Nehemiah Center here in Nicaragua. And it is such a privilege to be able to share with you uh, one of our great partners this morning. Uh, I actually grew up an Edmonton Oilers fan. Uh, I might not know much about your community, but I know that piece. And it's great to be able to share with you and to share this journey that we have uh, in serving God as you sh- serve uh, there in Edmonton and we serve here in Nicaragua our prayers to you all as you continue doing your ministries. you continue doing life and the challenges that you have our prayers with you in all of it and it's great to be here with you so my wife's a math teacher uh, which is very interesting because growing up in school there were two subjects that i hated with a passion uh, ironically one of them was spanish the language i now speak uh, every day and the other was math the one that I've married a math teacher. And math was really, really difficult for me to learn and to understand. And there's very few nice things I have to say about it as a subject, but I will give it this. You know when you're taking a math exam, when you're taking a test, when you're doing homework, you know if you're doing it right or wrong. You get done with an algebra problem you can plug the answer back in and you know how you did so you get done with a math exam you know hey I probably did really well today or I did really poorly today you know where you stand I'm working on my doctorate right now and so I'm submitting papers all the time and I'll be honest with you I'll write a paper I'll put a lot of effort into it I'll check my sources do my citations I'll proofread it check all my grammar everything that I'm supposed to do and when I hit submit and send it to a professor I have no idea how well I did. Not a clue. Why? Well, a lot of it's based on the professor. Do, do they like the direction I went? Uh, does it meet their expectations? And I've learned something, even though I'm almost 40 years old and have spoken English my whole life, there's a lot of versions of the English language. Every professor has their own English language. Um, I just found out this past semester that the number one sin in grammar, okay there's no repentance from the sin is starting a sentence with the word this now maybe in Canada they teach you that very clearly I can assure you I had never been taught that in my life uh, and I got to pay the price for that during this course my point is I think a lot of times in life we wonder how am I doing am I living how God wants me to live am, am I really doing things right sometimes we're having a lot of success We're like, am I really doing what God wants? Sometimes our life seems like a failure. We assume we're a failure, but are we? How can we know with certainty that we're doing what God wants us to do? Well, we may not know everything with certainty, but we can have a really good idea if we're following God by looking at the fruit that comes out of our life. Paul in Galatians gives us uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And really, it's this exam we can look at. It's these things we can look at and say, okay, if I'm following God, if I'm letting His Spirit lead me in life, this is what my life's going to look like. I'm going to bear these fruit. And if that's not where my life is, that means I've got to make a correction. That means my life's not exactly in the right spot, and I'm not being who God wants me to be. So this morning, I want us to understand a little bit more about What's it mean to follow God? What's it mean to follow His Spirit? And how can we do better at ensuring that our life bears these great fruits of the Spirit? How can we ensure that we're being the people that God wants us to be, that God has created us to be and saved us to be? So if you would go with me this morning in Galatians chapter 5 as we look at the fruits of the Spirit. And when we look at this whole passage... We get that Paul is saying something more than this this verse about the fruit of the Spirit that we look at so often. Now, you're reformed, I'm reformed, And we're saying the word spirit a lot this morning and so i'm assuming wherever you are uh, you're starting to squirm a little bit right we don't we don't do very well with this concept a lot of times we feel like if we say spirit too many times somebody's going to jump out with calvin's Institutes and bang us over the head to cleanse us of unrighteousness uh, for delving into that uh because that's for the pentecostals that's that's not ours but that's not entirely correct as people of a Reformed persuasion, we maybe differ from Pentecostals in believing that we don't speak in tongues today or maybe that can happen, but it's not a necessary thing. It's mostly over that issue. But we passionately believe and should practice passionately follow that the Holy Spirit is real, that the Holy Spirit is one of the people of the Trinity, that the Holy Spirit is God, and that the Holy Spirit is doing something in us and with us and for us, regularly. I want to take a second and look at what Jesus says about this. This is in John fourteen fifteen through 18. Jesus says, now if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor hears him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus has been teaching the disciples. He's been leading the disciples. And now he's saying, look, I'm not going to be with you. I'm going to die. I'm going to ascend into heaven. But don't worry. I'm going to send you help. Now, it's kind of interesting. That's kind of a backhanded compliment, isn't it? It's like when I go to leave the house in the morning, my wife says, wow, that's a a really interesting combination of clothes you have on this morning. It's a backhanded compliment, right? It means go back in there, change, so you don't look stupid. Or when my kids, I prepare dinner, and they go, Dad, that actually tasted good tonight. The really saying is, it usually doesn't. Jesus is saying, I'm sending you a helper because I get that you can't do this. I get that you're going to sin. I get that you're going to have temptations. I get that you're going to have problems. So I'm sending you help. And that help is going to dwell in your life. And that help is the Holy Spirit. Now look, I I don't know how to explain that. No one does. We don't know if the Spirit's in our brain, in our soul, in our stomach. You know, where? But we believe that we're not abandoned. That Jesus has sent us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us to guide us throughout our lives. And so the first thing I want us to think about this morning is that we have a problem, okay? And this problem is, even though we're saved, we still are dealing with sin. So when we're saved, we say, God, forgive me of my sin, and God cleanses us. All that unrighteousness in our life is forgiven. But we still live in a world of pressure, of sinfulness, of brokenness, We're still dealing with temptation all the time. So as Paul tells us this morning in Galatians, we're not having to live under the law. We're not having to prove ourselves to God to earn salvation. But we're still having to deal with sin. And so in Galatians 17, we're told, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so there's this friction that is happening in our lives. When I was a kid, there was this thing called a a wuss test. And somebody would come up to you in school and they would ask you if you were a wuss. And of course, being me, I would never want to admit that. And so what they do is they take their fingers to your skin like this, and they would start rubbing really hard until you told them to stop. Now, I'm really stubborn and so I made the person go until literally their fingers were covered in blood because they'd broken my skin. And I actually still have remnants of the scar. This probably happened 30 years ago. Because that friction, that would seem like it wouldn't hurt, but over time, that friction starts causing damage. That's what Paul is telling us about. Is there's this friction happening. The world is introducing sin. Sin. The world is introducing problems, and we're dealing with that. And that's not what God wants us to be or who God wants us to be. Paul is telling us God has called us to be different, to be a different sort of human being, to be a whole different kind of human who follows his spirit. And so it says in verse 24, And so those who belong to Christ Jesus, they've crucified the flesh with its passions, and desires. And in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We've been crucified. We've been saved. And now we follow the Spirit. We follow him and we trust him. We have a problem. Sin is rubbing up against us. It's tempting us. It's causing issues. But here's the second point. We have a helper. In the midst of this, Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to help us. Again, in John 14, it says, "Now, if you love me, you will keep my commandments." Jesus says, "Follow me, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you a Helper. Keep the commandments, which I know you can't do. Right, backhanded compliment. I'm sending you help, and so we have this help in the form of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Now, think about that in a moment." God doesn't sit up in heaven and say, well, I hope Andy's doing well today. He doesn't sit up in heaven saying, well, I hope you got this figured out. I hope you don't mess up. He doesn't sit in heaven with a lightning bolt in his hand waiting for you to make a mistake, to send problems into your life. Instead, he dwells in us to guide us, to help us, to inspire us to inspire us to live a lifestyle that follows His ways, that walks in the ways that He has created us to be. And so we follow the Spirit in each part of our life, in our job, in our family, in our relationships, in the community, not only in the church, but in every part. We listen and we follow the Spirit's leading because we have a helper not only in our church stuff, Not only when we're serving in the church, and certainly the Spirit helps us through everything we do in church, but the Spirit wants to be with you and help you in every aspect of your life. We have a problem, we have a helper, and we need to ask that helper for help. I mentioned I was never good at math, and I was good at most subjects. They were very easy for me and I got good grades, but I could never do it in math. And my parents would always want me to go and talk to the teacher or go get a tutor and get help. And many times they would take me to school early to be able to do that and they'd drop me off and I'd go in and I'd immediately go to the complete other side of the building and hide because I didn't want to ask for help. I was embarrassed to admit I didn't know what I was doing. I was embarrassed that I couldn't just pick the math book up and teach myself that I I needed somebody to help me. And so I so often refused that help. God is dwelling inside of us. Are we asking for his help? Are we trying to fix things ourselves? And if God is trying to tell us what to do, are we really opening ourselves to listen? Again, listen to verse 17 in Galatians 5. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. This friction is happening in your life. Are you asking God's Spirit to help you? Are you saying, I can't handle the pressure of sin? I can't handle the pressure in my life. Spirit, you're my helper. I need you to help me. We can turn to the Spirit, I think, in a couple of ways. First of all, we turn to Scripture. You're saying, Well, now, now Andy, you're talking about the Bible. Yeah. And where'd the Bible come from? It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the living word, not because people came up with it and wrote it, because the Holy Spirit inspired them to write it. And the Holy Spirit inspires us when we read it. When we get into God's word, we're being led by the Spirit in that word. But the Spirit certainly leads us in other ways that that can be hard to explain. Now, I don't know about you, but... I've only had four times in my life where God has very verbally spoken to me, uh, where I've really felt that was undeniably from God. Only four times. Maybe you've had none. Uh, Maybe that happens for you daily. Does not make you good? Does not make you bad? God works in all of us differently. But I think a lot of times we do feel kind of a nudge of the Spirit, a little push of the Spirit. It happens when you're about to write that email out of anger and something in you starts saying, should you really hit send right now? It happens when you're about to reach for that beer that you know is going to lead to problems for you and something in your brain goes, I really shouldn't do that. It happens when angry words are about to come out of your mouth and something's like, I'm not so sure about that. It happens when you see somebody and for whatever reason, you're drawn to to go speak to them or you're drawn to pray for them. One time I was pastoring in a church and I drove by this house by our church, an older couple in our church. I talked to them every once in a while. We weren't good friends. I didn't simply stop over at their house. But that day I felt like I had to go visit. I, I can't explain it. I don't know why. Just something in me said, you need to go visit them. And so I went over and I knocked on the house and the wife let me in and said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Ralph's right this way. And I'm like, well, I came to visit both of you, but I guess I'll go visit Ralph. And and her husband is laying on the couch and obviously in distress. And um, she's like, the ambulance is on the way. Thank you for being here while we wait for the ambulance. And, and come to find out he just had a heart attack and she was waiting for the ambulance to come. And so I was able to be with them and pray for them. And I'm not a doctor, but to at least comfort them, to help him get in the ambulance and get the care that he needed. I feel that's a Holy Spirit thing nudging me in that situation. We need to be open to that. We need to pray, God, I want to hear your nudge. I want to be attuned to it. I want to do the right things when you're nudging. I think the Holy Spirit is like the lane markers on the road. It's kind of nudging us in the right direction or it's like bumpers on a bowling alley it's knocking the ball right back to where it's supposed to be but we need to ask for the help we need to listen to the help and we need to follow and walk in it and that's our last point this morning we need to realize we have a problem we have a helper we need to listen and follow that helper and so we're told in verse 25 of Galatians 5, Now if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's follow the Spirit's ways. So I talked at the beginning about the fruit of the Spirit, and you've probably been wondering, and you've been talking for like 20 minutes now, and you haven't mentioned the fruit of the Spirit once. How am I supposed to know how I'm doing? Because I wanted us to understand where this was going. I wanted us to understand that we have the Holy Spirit. I wanted us to get that we have a problem, that we have a helper, that we should follow that helper. And so Paul tells us, if you're following the Spirit, if you're following His lead, if you're following the commandment, if you're allowing Him to guide you in life, this will be the result. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. When we follow God, that's the fruit that's born. I mean, look at a tree. Trees are supposed to bear a type of fruit, right? An apple tree bears apples. An orange tree bears oranges. A palm tree here in Nicaragua bears coconuts. It also bears giant dents on my car from said coconuts falling on the car. The point is, a tree bears fruit, and we hope that that fruit is good. I have a tree in my yard, uh, a mango tree, and its mangoes are good. We have friends who have a mango tree, their mangoes aren't. And so, what something is depends on the sort, sort of fruit. What sort of fruit are we supposed to bear as Christians? When people see an orange tree, they want to see oranges. When people see us, what should they see? They should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. That's who we're supposed to be. That's who we've been made to be. That's the fruit that should come out of our lives. I think too often we think in big terms. We think in terms of, you know, uh, I did an evangelism crusade and this many people were saved. We think in numerical terms of how our church is growing. We think in terms of how much money we've given to a cause or hours we've spent. But it's not saying here the fruit of your life is that one big thing you did, that one mission trip that you went on, that one event that you helped lead, that one year that you served. It's saying the fruit of your life is how you live every day, how you allow the Spirit to guide you every single day. What's the fruit of your life? And look, sometimes we'll struggle. I thought about having an illustration today of showing you two bananas. Um, I had a ripe banana in my house that looked beautiful, and I had a rotten banana that I was going to have to throw away this morning. And I was about to do it, and then I thought, you know what? That illustration wouldn't work for my mom. Because to my mom, there is no such thing as a rotten banana. A green banana, you wait for A yellow banana you eat, and a black banana you put in the freezer and you make banana bread out of. And she's that way with every fruit. When it gets rotten, you put it in the freezer, and she has a recipe for it. So she would look at it and say, they're both good, I could use them both. And God looks at us like that. If you look at your life this morning and you say, I have no self-control. I'm not very gentle. I try to be kind, but I was not kind at work yesterday. Then you take God, that rotten fruit, and you let him transform it into something beautiful. You let him change you so that you are bearing that fruit. It's a process. I doubt many of us this morning look at the fruit of the Spirit and say, today, these are all ready for picking in my life. They're all ripe and ready to go. Some need to mature, they're still green. Others, they're getting black and they need to be turned back into a good fruit. This is what we need to be aiming for. And how do we get there? We get there by realizing we have a problem, that we're sinful. We've been saved, and that's beautiful, but we still deal with that pressure, that friction to sin. But Jesus said, I know you can't do this, so I'm sending you help. That Holy Spirit that I don't know how it works, but somehow dwells within me. I need to ask it for help. I need to listen to it as it nudges me and guides me. And I need to follow it. Living a life in my actions every day that bears these amazing fruits that benefit me and benefit God's kingdom. Will you pray with me as we close our message? Father in heaven, thank you for this amazing technological gift that allows Canadians and Nicaraguans to to be together in this way. God, thank you for your salvation, that we know that we're saved and we don't have to earn it. Thank you for acknowledging that we still have that pressure to sin, for acknowledging that we need a helper, for somehow, some way, dwelling in us by your Spirit to guide us. God, help us to listen. Help me to listen, God, and help me to follow. God, help everyone in our congregation to bear fruit. Sometimes it'll be bad fruit. Help us to change. Sometimes it's not there yet. Help us to grow. Help us to walk in your spirit, to transform our lives and the lives of others. In your name, amen. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to share with you this morning and our blessings to all of you.